0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Shubhak and listening to SFIT Talks. The goal with each of these podcasts is to bring out as much as value add content. Now, today I have with me Sri Vidya. Well, uh, Sri Vidya is a nutrition coach. She's a habit transformation coach, a lifestyle coach. Now, she is the founder of the Eighth Element, which is a nutrition coaching company. She has about 15 years of experience in client services management. She has an undergrad in nutrition and dietetics and also a good medalist in that. She holds a precision nutrition level 1 and level 2 certifications. She has a silver medal in national powerlifting championship. She's a mom of two teenagers and her mission is to empower you to feel capable, strong and resilient with full of full control over your environment decisions, food choices, thoughts, emotions and actions and build a healthy relationship with your body, food and people around you. Wow, that's a beautiful vision and a mission to have. So without further ado, let's welcome Shri Vidya.
1: Hey, thank you so much, uh, Shubak, for having me on the show here. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And I'm truly humbled that you reached out to me to share my experience and my life journey with you and the audience.
0: Yes. So let me just share how I got in touch with Sri Vidya, right? So uh, when I was um, doing my level two, um there, there were few of the suggestions which were coming on facebook to me that in the friend suggestion that shrividya also is a uh, you know a pn holder and she has done a pn level two and in one of the videos the recorded videos by precision nutrition i saw that shrividya was there like she she was in a panel of meetings with the all the coaches there so then i searched uh on facebook and then i sent her a request that's how i got, actually connected with shrividya but for long, I was just observing her uh, profile, what she was doing and what was she really into. I figured that she has a nutrition coaching company and then she trains women. Uh, but recently off late, what I really started noticing was her lifting and uh, um, her movements like Pike push-ups, pull-ups, she was really putting in so much effort into that and that inspired me. And I was like, let me get her on my show where a lot of my clients are also women and if I can get her and you know portray her and show her that she's someone who lifts weight every single day and she's improving on her body weight movements as well and she's becoming strong day by day. So that doesn't mean that just by lifting weights people become bulkier or they become all And that's what I wanted to show. And uh, I was like no better person than Shrividya. That is how all of this started.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Shubhag. Uh, really some sweet things to say. And uh, absolutely, this more such messages should get out about strength training, uh, especially for women. And this podcast is, is going to be hugely useful even for the people that follow me and my clients right. as well. So thank you for doing that.
0: <laughs> no problem. So, uh, Shri Vidya, before we get into the questions and all of that, uh, can you please give us a brief introduction about who Shri Vidya is, apart from whatever I've already given?
1: Okay. So you've shared quite a bit of an intro about me. Uh, I'm 47 years old uh, and uh, my two daughters, my older one is in college. She is uh, doing her undergrad in clinical nutrition and dietetics. Uh, She's really inspired by the work that I uh, do with women and she wanted to give back to the community as well. So uh, I feel that's actually a very, very proud moment for me as a mom. Uh, my younger one is uh, in her tenth grade, but uh, you know she's is, she's is very interested in designing, so she wants to become a designer. Wow. Um, I have a four-year-old pup called uh, Lizzie, and uh, my husband is a chemical engineer. Uh, he holds a PhD in chemical engineering and uh, MBA in marketing and finance, and he works for DuPont. Um, so, like Shubhak shared, I have about um, 15 years in uh, American Express uh, customer services where I got to actually uh, work with really um, top level executives of corporates. Um, one of whom is uh, Mr. Robert Kibbit, who's actually uh, an advisor in Facebook. And I, and that's something that I feel really proud about. Um, and that is where I kind of learned a lot of the work ethics and the um, quality to go above and beyond. Um, the call of duty that I carry now. So I really attribute it to those uh, many years of services that I put into customer service. And uh, my hobbies, apart from strength training, of course, that is one of my first hobbies. And uh, the other ones would be, um, I used to be, uh, or I am, uh, I don't know how to say it. I I actually uh, learned Carnatic music and I've given a lot of performances. Um, So music is definitely my big passion. And uh, the other uh, hobby is uh, bird watching.
0: Mm. Awesome. See, if you're really interested in bird watching, then uh, you should go to a lot. Like, have you been to these forests where there are a lot of bird watching happening, right? Have you been? Absolutely. There? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Many,
1: many national parks.
0: Right? Yeah. Especially yeah.
1: Ranganathittu. Ranganathittu okay. is in Mysore. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's beautiful.
1: It's a beautiful place
0: nice so shrividya you told me that you were into 15 years of service industry and all of that right so how when did that switch happen that okay i really want to get into the health and fitness industry now
1: okay yeah uh, interesting uh you know so i have to go back uh, in time um, so i did my undergrad in nutrition and dietetics and um, even though i secured a gold medal and i was given scholarship to study uh, further. I had to defer it because there was not much visibility for um, nutritionists or dietitians at that point in time. And I'm talking about uh, 1994, right? So um, I had to, uh, there were a lot of financial difficulties in my family. My dad was out of a job and it came to a point where I had to earn to kind of support whatever little I could, uh, you know, and contribute to the family. So at, at the age of 19, I took up this job in the travel industry, even before my results came out. Uh, so since then I worked and then um, I, my um, my marriage took me to the U.S. So I got married and then my husband was already in the U.S. So I spent most of my time there uh, working in the travel industry. And um, even though the, the, the education was there, my passion was still about nutrition and having a healthy lifestyle. I struggled personally a lot to incorporate a lot of those learnings in my life. Um, so... Uh, You know, my my first child was born and uh, within a year, she got into uh, a really uh, bad medical emergency. Uh, She had uh, cancer of the right kidney. Oh. So, yeah, so she was just a year old and that really shook us. You know, I mean, there was just so much stress. She had to go through surgery. Uh, The kidney had to be removed. She went through chemotherapy Um, and there was a lot of trauma and stress that I had to go through um and we somehow got out of it but still until she was 10 she was not termed a long-term survivor so you can imagine right as a as a mom every single moment I was like looking after her and you know um wondering what what was going to come up as a new challenge that we had to handle in terms of her health and it just completely derailed our life which kind of contributed to the extreme stress that i had the mental and emotional health took a beating uh, my physical health took a beating so i started piling on a lot of weight i was coping you know um, with food for uh, you know de-stressing so just that my life was a complete mess for a very long time and and i spent i took a break from work i uh, you know to take care of her and and then of course i conceived the second child was born and then again the past caught up with me where I had a lot of lifestyle related issues, high hypothyroidism, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, and of course the mental and emotional bit as well as I told you. So mm-hmm. that kind of threw me off tracks. My doctor said, Hey, you got to be on lifelong medication. This, this At the age of 32, you're going through so many issues, right? Mm-hmm. And he gave me a choice. I mean, you, you have a choice to fix your lifestyle or to get on to, lifelong medication. What do you choose? Um, right. So I mean, obviously the answer was, Hey, I'll fix my lifestyle. I don't want to be on medication. And I came out, I walked to the doctor to never come back to his clinic. Uh, and, uh, and that kind of spurred me on this journey, uh, you know, uh, to take care of myself. Of course, there were so many mistakes that I did, you know, like jumping on to diets, one after the other, starving when I saw the, the, the scale weight go up. Right and then being happy the next day that it dropped and then again feeling deprived and eating most so of yo-yo dieting, yo-yo weight gain, all of that kept happening for a very, very long time. Um, and then, you know, uh, slowly I got into, uh, you know, a regular physical activity and then slowly fixing my nutrition. So to answer your question, I think I, I just way, went way beyond what you asked me to, oh, uh, to uh, speak about. Um, so so to tell you uh, when i started uh, or how i started this nutrition journey so when i started becoming more consistent with my activity and also fixing my nutrition i started changing my body composition okay. right so from 85 kilos mm-hmm. i took i dropped to about 55 kilos wow um, on your own? Over... i'm sorry
0: on your own or did you get some help like did you
1: on, on my own and that's why it took a very very long time so, you know, it took, it took almost uh, 10 to 12 years to kind of get to a happy space uh, in terms of my relationship with my body, my food, uh, having a healthy body composition and also the healthy biomarkers. So I could see the way all, all those numbers started um, getting into the normal range. Mm. Right. So, and and when I participated in the Powerlifting championship everyone started noticing me, the media covered, uh, you know, my story in the newspapers and so many women got, started getting in touch with me saying, hey, you have hypothyroidism and you've been able to lose weight and in fact, even keep it off. How did you make it happen? Can you help us? Um, so this was in 2018, right? So that's, I had this fire and need to anyway educate myself, but due to family circumstances, I could not. But when when this happened, it kind of lit a fire under my butt, saying, "Hey, you got to do something about this now." You know, if you let go of this opportunity, it may not come back again. Uh, so that's when I joined uh, PN Level One Nutrition uh, Coaching Certification, and uh, unofficially, I started coaching a few people in 2018. So, but in uh, October 2018, on the day of my birthday, uh, I started my company.
0: Wow. Now, two questions, Ravidya. One is, the, was the uh, powerlifting championship here in India or in US? And two, YPA.
1: So, uh, yeah, the powerlifting championship uh, was conducted in Coimbatore. That was the national powerlifting championship. I mean, every time they pick a different state. So, this was hosted by Tamil Nadu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it happened in Coimbatore. And uh, your second question was YPN. Yeah. So... Um, when, I, when I decided on the next course of action to educate myself and actually start from an authentic space to coach people. Yeah, I had an undergrad in nutrition, but that was so long ago, you know, I had to refresh my skills. I had to learn what's, what's going on uh, newly in, in the industry, right? So I was, as I was looking around, a couple of options came up, right? So one was to do like an MSc uh, in India. Uh, or a diploma in India, right, and and get the RD certification Um, or pick a a reputed company, world-class company that would give the education uh, and also keep it very practical, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what drew me to PN because they are all about practical application. How do you actually get on the ground and help with the knowledge that you carry, right? Okay. An MSc would have given me the education, a diploma would have given me the education, but not the coaching skills that I was looking
0: for. Absolutely. Lovely. So uh, you told me that in 2018, you started lifting, uh, sorry, you competed in powerlifting championships. So it means that it it was not the year that you started actually lifting. Maybe you started way back. So when did you actually start lifting and why did you start lifting? Uh,
1: so, I mean, the, initially it was all intermittent, Shubhak. I lived in the US, right? So... And as I told you, I had this really um, traumatic event with my first daughter. Um, and I yeah. got into a lot of mental and emotional stress. We went through counseling and I was on antidepressants, anxiety pills, and all of that sleep medication. It was just really, really terrible. Yeah. And somehow I needed a vent, right? Uh, I needed to get out of this. And, and physical activity actually gave me that, you know, that. Uh, time time for myself and to actually um, feel good about myself so that's how I started it was intermittent in the US then we moved to Gurgaon um, in 2008 and I joined a gym close by and then I had my in-laws living with me too they are well in their 80s again with a traveling husband young children at home they were five and two and older uh, in-laws, it was extremely difficult. I was pulling my hair out. I, I had zero time for myself. And so so directly, I did not get into strength training. It, it, there was a progression to it. So initially it was all about, hey, how do I get my time, right? So I let my children play in the park and I would go around the 300 meter park uh, for an hour, walk around uh, for an hour. That's all I did, right? So that was super consistent because The reason being, it was not to lose weight or anything like that, but to just get away and clear my head and then come back to the routine. Um, And this, uh, my friend uh, noticed, you know, who was doing Delhi uh, Airtel half marathons regularly. She noticed and said, hey, you seem to be so consistent. You've been walking every day. And, uh, you know, how about try your hand at running? You know, why not you uh, try that? So she gave me ideas and I started, you know, initially I used to pant a lot, even to run for a few seconds. It was so difficult, like my heart was in my mouth. Uh, But intermittently I did a couple of seconds of uh, running followed by like five minutes of walking. So this is how this happened over an hour time, right, that I used to dedicate for myself. Um, Slowly, I had the confidence to run 5-kilometer runs. Then I participated in 10-kilometer runs. Then that egged me on to do half marathons. Mm So, I was basically a half marathoner uh, during the time frame of 2009 to about 2012.
0: So, that is when you dropped 25 kilos, right?
1: uh, Not really. So, see, my nutrition was not fixed uh, yet at that point in time, Shubhaq. I was still going through this binge eating, disordered eating, you know, yo-yoing, weight, <laughs> all of that,
0: right? What we actually study <laughs> in you know, athletes, although he's an athlete, doesn't <laughs> he? is His nutrition, his or her nutrition is on point.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I still had all of those issues. My I probably looked a little smaller than before, but my health was nowhere where it needed to be because I still had high cholesterol. Uh, my body fat percentage was still high, right? My weight was still high. Um, so the, the one thing that got fixed was my social health, my uh, mental, emotional health, right? And my fitness got improved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but body composition was still not changing a whole lot until I started lifting weights and I also started fixing nutrition. So 2012, I got into a lot of injuries. Because of running half marathons, it's a high-impact sport, right? Yeah. So, shin splints, ankle sprains, ITV issues, you name it. <laughs> I had all of those uh, back-to-back. And uh, so, to become a better runner and to avoid injuries is, is why I started strength training. Again, like on a more serious note uh, in 2012. So,
0: That's I mean, the- did that
1: answer your question?
0: Sorry to cut you, but... Uh, this is actually the kind of journey every runner has like every runner who has come to me in the history or in the past or even now the same journey they're all excellent runners but the only problem is they didn't focus on the balance between strength training and their actual training and due to that they have had some injury like ITB issue or something right hip injury And uh, because of that, they started strength training and now strength training has become such an integral part of their training that without strength training, their performance in running actually is going down, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. (coughs) I see so many runners now who like very disciplined way strength train like three times a week and then they run three times a a week. So fantastic. The awareness is a lot definitely compared to, you know, a few years ago.
0: Back. True uh so you know you are a coach Ray. you you have a lot of clients who are female and uh, how do you convince them or how do you put across this message uh that you know you should lift weights too because learn from my experience how do you tell that do you tell your story or do you ask them their story and how do you convince that
1: Okay, uh, good one. So yeah, so compared to a few years ago, I do see a surge in the number of women who strength train. Um, like even in my gym, like Movement Inc, where I train, uh, there is a higher percentage of women who train compared to men. Nice. So with that said, I do wish to see many more women come forward seeking strength training actively, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so here is the thing. There is some fear attached to it, Shubhag, And also the confusion around where to begin, how to begin, and also the perfectionist mindset of only if I do it a certain way, it counts, right? right? So I would rather not be doing it if I'm not lifting heavy or if I'm not doing those kind of exercises that other people do. So I feel it needs to be simplified further that any move counts so long as you're making a start somewhere, right? Uh, so here is, uh, I mean, coming back to your question. So I don't really try to convince my clients um, I meet them where they are at in terms of their physical capabilities and what their preferences are. Many of them, it can throw people off and you instantly say, hey, you've got a strength train, right? <laughs> Again, understanding that the concern and the fear they come already with yeah. to tell them that, hey, you've got to do this. It's not going to work. So slowly you've got to coax them into first getting them uh, acquainted with moving their body every day, right, on a regular basis. Your goal is just move your body however you wish. Maybe it's Zumba, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's walking. Let's start moving regularly. So when they start doing this, they start seeing the benefits of how it reflects on their mental and emotional health, right? So the mood is better, they feel so much energetic. They're able to take on more challenges through the day because they dedicated this self-care time for themselves, right? They are a much better mom, much better husband, right? Much better person because of this. So right. they start seeing all of this happen. And then slowly I say, hey, do you feel ready to now explore strength training, right? Mm-hmm. Like I handhold them and say, hey, why not try a few body weight moves? You know, mm-hmm. here is a video of uh, a couple of regressed beginner versions of probably a push-up, right? Uh, or yeah. a row or something like that. and And then they get the confidence with the accountability and support to actually scale up from there. And, and absolutely, I share my story with them, Shubhak. I think it's, it's important uh, for them to understand that I did not start away, you know, lifting heavy weights. I had a progression too over so many years. Uh, in fact, walking that led to running, to, that led to strength training and then completely to strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I also um, kind of share the importance and the benefits, especially, uh, you know, uh, that it carries for women beyond the age of 40. Um, when you start getting into menopause and hormonal disturbances, there is age-related deterioration in health, bone mass, bone density, muscle mass. We lose muscle mass 1% every year. Whether you work out or not, you're going to keep losing. So strength training is all about preserving the current thing that you have or minimize the loss that can occur, right? So the sooner you start building it as a habit, the better for you. And, and my daughters began strength training at the age of 11 and 14, uh, Shubhak. So, again, I tell them there is no, the age is not a tab. At any age, whether it is 8, 9, or 60, 70, 80, you absolutely got to strength train.
0: Lovely. So, you plan to lift even 20 years from now, right?
1: Absolutely. No, not just 20, more than that, if my life allows that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the question. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, now what uh, we spoke about was people who are absolutely new to training. But what if someone is already running or somebody like, let's say doing Zumba and maybe one session of group session uh, of uh, strength training a week or something like that, right? But they are not liking it. They they just go because they don't have a choice. Uh, Like, for example, I knew so many clients who every uh, every day is to show up at the gym from 7 to 8, now if 7 to 8 is Zumba, they do Zumba, if 7 to 8 is boxing, they do boxing, if 7 to 8 is strength and conditioning, they do strength and conditioning. Not by their choice, but they don't have any option. But if someone who comes to you saying that I I, I do it, but I'm not really interested in it. So uh, to such people, how do you share that message that you know, like great that you're doing and the first step is taking care that there is some consistency, right? a movement is happening but uh actually like you know whatever you shared you lose muscle mass every single year is that does that become necessary to share to a client uh or how do you convince that i mean how do you share that message?
1: okay good one good one Shubha. so see the, the problem here is that they it's not like they do not understand right we all know i mean you google and it gives you so many answers related to why it is important to strength train so people come with that awareness and knowledge that it's important to strength train but somehow there is some resistance that they feel so the point um, you know the, as a coach is to dig into that resistance what is going on why is it that they don't find it interesting right and what more than wh- why they why they don't find something interesting what is it that they enjoy doing right maybe even in that strength training is there any one particular move that they actually enjoy Mm. Right, um, and scale up from there. So, so basically, whatever that you enjoy is what you're going to keep for life. Correct. Right. Absolutely. And it's not like you are not going to adapt or change because I changed. Right. I started uh, as a walker, and then I never imagined at that point in time that I would be a lifter at some point. So, Correct. there is definitely a chance to make that progression happen. The point right now is when you begin. A journey you want to do something that you absolutely love and enjoy Mm. because the point is to stay consistent when you stay consistent then you you start exploring different ways to actually show
0: right but then that makes sense yeah yeah, absolutely but then we have been told especially in the fitness industry there are so many wrong messages put out that if you're doing exercise which is easy and if you like it then it's not going to give you change as long as you are going through you know uh, it is as long as it is not difficult you are not going to change right so then
1: ah. uh, <laughs> yeah go hard or go home right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i hear you
0: so uh uh one thing what i want to ask you is you you spoke about the favorite lift or the favorite exercise so what are your favorite lifts that you go to
1: okay um so i absolutely love how deadlifts make me feel, uh, shubhag Because I think it's one of my uh, strong lifts uh, where I'm able to really lift heavy. So, it, the, the feeling is amazing when I lift heavy. So, deadlifts, definitely. Uh, squats. Um, dips. Uh, I, because I've been uh, newly or uh, recently been able to do it, it's a new skill and a new move that dips. I really enjoy doing. Yeah, paddle paddits.
0: Nice, nice. Okay. Uh,
1: that and then uh, you know, push-ups definitely are my favorite. Uh, and
0: your pull-ups movement. also.
1: Pull-ups, yeah. definitely.
0: So two questions.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I've seen you doing deadlifts, but uh, usually you do sumo deadlifts. Is it because in the competition you use sumo deadlift? Is that the reason why you do sumo deadlifts more? Or uh, I mean, why not conventional deadlift?
1: Okay. So um, I've tried both and I seemed to like the sumo better. Uh, it's friendly around the back. Uh, there's not a whole lot of spinal, you know, hinge required, right? You're more like upright. So um, that, and also because um, I just felt better too.
0: Nice. So, uh, Shrevidya, uh, now you have come to a point where you're lifting almost uh, two times your body weight, right? Indirectly, but you started.
1: Maybe, uh, one point six.
0: One point six to be precise. Lovely. So now, but then you started maybe with just a barbell now how long absolutely journey how long was this journey and you know that it takes a long time how do you um, put across this message to people out there who are just following you not not per se your clients that fitness or even a healthy lifestyle is a long journey it's not something that you do it for 30 days 60 days and then you get results right so how do you how do you put across that message
1: Yeah, so good one, right? So um, not focusing on the outcome per se, but the behavior, right? So when I started showing up consistently, strength training is an amazing, uh, you know, exercise where sometimes week on week, you see changes in terms of your strength, right? You start lifting, you showing up, you start showing up consistently, you start seeing that progression happen. But there is also a time where you hit a plateau, right? You've got to It it teaches you, I think, a lot of mental skills to handle these things on a day-to-day basis, right? Not everything, you may say that, hey, I've been consistent, Uh, the result is not here, but what can you do? It's not under your control. The outcome is not under your control, right? What's under your control is, are you showing up uh, for your workout and are you giving your best? So even today, Shubhag, even though I track my numbers, my strength numbers and all of it, every day is different. I feel better some days, stronger some days, some days I don't feel as strong. So again, it's about how you tweak that particular day's lifts according to how you feel. Your sleep may be off, you may not have recovered well, you may have carry, maybe carrying fatigue from the previous workout. So how do you stay in tune with your bodily cues and tweak your, uh, you know, workout based on that, right? So that is very, very crucial. The other important thing is you rightly said this is something for life. It's not mm-hmm. something that you're doing for a short term goal. Correct. right? So let's say you meet a fit and a very healthy person. You, you don't ask them, like, hey, you're fit and healthy, why are you lifting? <laughs> right? You, you, you re, it, it doesn't mean just because you're fit and healthy, you stop doing what helped you achieve it. You've got to, you know, to sustain that level of fitness and health, you've got to continue doing what helped you get there. Yeah. Right? And uh, and to maintain, um, you know, a long-term health and longevity, I feel fitness and nutrition play an important role and it's something that you've got to do for life. It's not something that you get on and off.
0: Absolutely. This reminded me of one of the things. Uh, I was recently listening, uh, listening to one of the podcasts of Arnold where he was asked, why are you still lifting weights? Why are you still going to the gym? So he said, uh, because I'm... 10 years back, I was eating my breakfast and I'm eating my breakfast even today. 10 years I was. <laughs> ten years back, I was still sleeping. I'm sleeping even today. So, why should I stop lifting weights? Why should I stop going to the gym when I'm doing all the other activities? Right? So, uh, exactly. That's great.
1: Good so, one. Thanks for sharing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I'll share the video with you as well. Now, uh, you spoke about um, nutrition playing a very major role. So, what do you eat right now, uh, Shrividhya? And how important is your protein intake or your macros per se do you track them because you told you you uh, specifically track how you're feeling how's your body feeling and all of that so do you also track your macros every single day and do you uh, do that with your clients as well and do you tell them if you start lifting weights nutrition becomes very very important
1: fantastic questions there uh, shubhak so um, yeah so as i got into lifting i was caught uh, you know the, the bug of um, you know tracking and calorie counting and you know uh, weighing your food and somewhere it it messed up my relationship with food a lot uh, you know I saw Italy a certain number of calories and you know the bread a certain number of calories so you know I was getting very obsessive and compulsive about uh, my food and also the social health as well uh, kind of got impacted a lot i Uh, would not head out for a a party or you know have the confidence to go eat out at an event or something like that and uh, I realized that was not what I wanted right so uh, in a way it also helped uh, heal my relationship with the scale right so when you're eating to nourish yourself and you're eating to you know feel happy because food is not just sustenance right it's much beyond that Uh, It helps you connect with people. It helps you feel good. There are times, right? I mean, when you are stressed, there are times you want to reach out to something, you know, one of your favorite foods and it gives you so much comfort. Uh, So I realized that I was doing a huge disservice to myself by not exploring this aspect of food, by just looking at it as something that is helping me with my performance and that I should do it. Setting strict rules, right? So then I started understanding this was not going to work out in the long term. So I quit... (laughs) weighing my food tracking my <laughs> calories or macros uh of course from doing it for so many years i i can easily eyeball my plate and right. you know have a feel for the protein intake that i'm having that's the only thing i keep very you know i'm very conscious about um and of course the vegetables i take about four to six servings in a day <laughs> but other than that i'm not really restrictive of my carbs right. i go based on how i feel at that particular point in time in terms of hunger my fullness right uh, and also i believe that uh, you know it's important to maintain a healthy relationship with all all kinds of food right so that is what i actually help my clients with to first lose that fear uh, around food uh, right and i feel that is the biggest thing uh, Shubhag, won't you agree like 100%. when you have a great relationship with food everything else falls in place your mental and emotional health is so much better you are so much um, looking forward to doing this for life When you say hey you should not be having this creates a lot of trauma i would say you know like in your head like oh my god i can't eat this then there's so much rigidity the rules you know um, build a lot of um, uh, you know uh, bad feelings within you around eating yeah. and right deprivation and then the cycle of binge eating and then again depriving yourself, I, I don't think it's worth it at all, Shubhag.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's an article also by PN, where, which I was reading recently, that uh, I think it was there in level two also, that people who uh, were stressed out, who were tensed, who were fearful, worried, didn't lose weight even after going on a strict diet. While mm. people who, uh, without any you know outcome-based goals, they just did it for the sake of doing it and enjoyed the journey, actually lost weight, who are actually peaceful, right? So Absolutely. It is so important because and that fear actually um, carries on to other aspects of our life also like money, there's fear for money, there's fear for relationship, what if this person leaves me, right? So it it, it, it is not just in one area, if there is fear, then there's fear in all the other areas also, but when you stop, mm. stop stopping this in this area. And you actually start changing your behaviors in other areas also. That's what I've noticed with myself at least. And uh, mm. you you spoke so well and so much about the body awareness, right? Most 95% of the people that I come across have no awareness of how their body is or how they react. And when I give one simple tip, which is the first tip which we get in PM, which is eating slow. And I tell them mm. that I show them with the proof when they're eating food, like they go psyched. They're like, oh my God, this is something which is in our control and we can do it. Right. So uh, that, that is so great. But uh, Srivita, you, I mean, how do you get to a level? Because again, uh, being aware of your body comes with practice. It's not something that mm. happens overnight because you have gotten uh, like this to a point where you're not aware of yourself because of the practice, because the behaviors you've developed over the years. So how does one or how do you tell your clients or coach your clients to start being aware of how their body is responding or reacting every single day?
1: Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, excellent points there about, uh, you know, focusing on internal cues and how it helps you to regulate your eating automatically, right? So, I, I've, I've also been there, uh, you know, where I was so disconnected with my body and uh, it took a while for me to kind of practice the skill. Uh, but I can say, I mean, I'm in a much better and a happier space now where I have that control, right? I've, I've not given away the control to an external calculator or a weighing machine to tell me how much I should be eating. I've had stories of clients who share that, hey, I'm allowed to eat. 1800 and uh, you know I've I've eaten like 1700 now I have to find something to fill that 100 100 uh, calories but I'm not hungry so then why do you force yourself to eat right again you know the the point is you gain weight because you are not focusing on your hunger cues or your fullness cues and you're constantly overeating beyond what your body needs so when you actually gain back that control and understand that it, it has always been with you right? You start listening to your body's cues and start feeding it appropriately. Mm-hmm. You you definitely don't need any other external mechanism to tell you how you're doing, right? So definitely the, the way I start is practicing mindfulness. That is one of the first practices that I introduce to my clients through uh, a five-minute action, which is meditation, typically. Uh, because I feel when you when you actually sit down and meditate, there's just so many you're basically sitting with the discomfort of so many things that is running in your head. And it allows you to focus and not just focus, but refocus on your breath when such thoughts derail you. Mm. Right. So it builds a lot of mental strength. And this focus is absolutely the smallest tool towards building self-awareness. Right. When you're focused, it builds mindfulness. And then when you're mindful, you're present with your thoughts and emotions and your yourself all the time. It builds a lot of self-awareness about what is working and what's not working. So slowly we take them through the progression of having them listen to what their body is telling them, Mm. right? And and we know from what we learned from PN that your actions are driven by your thoughts and uh, emotions. They don't happen randomly. There is you got to feel a layer, uh, you know, to understand what really is going on under that behavior. Why is it that you are seeking to do that behavior? So instead of going directly into the how and the what of that behavior, I typically ask questions to understand the why behind that behavior, because that is where the secret is. What, there, is some, there is some reason why you're doing it, right? There is a purpose that you're, you're uh, trying to solve.
0: Right. What
1: is that purpose? So because we unnecessarily take that behavior away, you're not going to feel happy. But when you actually understand, it gives you, it empowers you to make a change that works for you. So first thing is meditation and then we slowly start building mindfulness and that takes them into being more self-aware and learn a lot about themselves. So that is, it's a self-discovery process.
0: And uh, uh, one more thing, what I wanted to tell you was that uh, before I ask you that question, I want to share something Uh, somewhere I was reading that. We humans are the only uh, species who go on a diet. All the other species are always on a diet, right? So whenever you go on something, you come off. Like you go on a trip, you come back to reality. So that's why people go on diet and then they come back. So whatever you're talking about, you're, you're dieting, right? So that's why it happens. But when you're always on a diet, you're not worried about what am I eating? Am I eating this? Am I eating right? Am I eating the right portion? You just in in connection with your body awareness and body cues and you're doing it fine so that's something that i want to share uh, but also the second thing that i wanted to um, ask you or tell you was that because we have gone through the same journey right like even i've done the same mistake of tracking food and all of that but because we have done that we know that it is not sustainable and you know yeah. you can't do it every single day for the rest of your life But when a client comes to me and then he's so excited, enthusiastic about doing all of this because they see YouTube, they have a lot of information available to them. They talk about macros, micros, vitamins and all these fancy words they use. But then when I'm talking to that person, I know as a coach that this is not going to last. But I don't Mm. want to demotivate him by saying that, you know, Mm. this won't last in the long term. So how do you manage that situation where you know that it is not going to last but do you allow that client to go through that process and tell them, great, track it and let's see how it goes after two weeks or something or, or what's the process that you go through?
1: Great question, uh, Shubhag. Definitely, I've come across uh, many such scenarios like uh, yourself. Um, so like I told you, you know, my approach is totally client-centric, which means that I meet my clients where they are, mm-hmm. right? If, mm-hmm. if they want to do this, I'm not going to stand in their way. Instead, I'm going to give them complete 100% support. Let them experiment with it. Let them learn feedback about how it is working or how it is not working. And then we collaborate and say, hey, so you tried this. How is it working for you? If it's working, great. Why don't you continue on? If it's not working, shall we pivot and look at other options that could possibly help you? So that is the kind of conversation I have with my clients.
0: Superb. Now... How do you change the mindset because mindset shift also is very, very important, right? So Shrividya in 2010 to Sri to 2022 is a lot of mind shift in terms of uh, her fitness and, and nutrition. So um, how do you bring up that change in, in a client?
1: Okay, fantastic one. So uh, definitely I feel mindset is one of the uh, top derailers for not staying consistent right? Mm-hmm. This is something that comes up time and again. So again, using mindfulness as the tool, I help my clients pay attention to their self-talk. Mm-hmm. When they are trying to do a certain activity, a resistance exists for a certain reason, right? There is some, they need some resistance to do a certain activity. I ask them to pause and listen to their self-talk, the exact language that their mind is telling them like, hey, you know what? I don't think you should be doing this. Way. You, you better do this Completely like give your 100% or just don't do it at all. Most common all or nothing thinking that comes up. Yeah.
0: Right? Right.
1: So when, right, I mean, so when they notice that, then it gives them the opportunity to rise above the situation and say, hey, this is what is not helping me progress at all. Should I be doing this? Right. And I also tell them that perfection is overrated. You don't have to, you know, share, you know, make perfect meals or do a perfect workout. Uh, go for this perfect walk with your uh, shoes on, right? Show up imperfectly. I think that's been like the game changer, Shubha, uh, with my women. So, when right. I tell them that, hey, you, you don't have to be perfect. I am imperfect. You can absolutely be imperfect. Everybody around you is imperfect. You don't have to set yourself up, uh, self up to high standards, especially you're, when you're just beginning to start a practice, mm-hmm. right? So, just show up uh, and and notice when, when you have this all or nothing thinking, that's what derails you. Just uh, action is what is needed. You don't have to keep waiting for motivation also. So again, action before motivation. So these are all some key mantras that I share with them that kind of stays with them uh, for a really long time and has helped them a lot in shifting their mindset.
0: So basically, you take all the pressure off from them and then you tell that don't, don't self-judge yourself. Don't don't let yourself be judged by the society or the environment. Just take it one day at a time and keep it simple and easy, right? Small small Absolutely. habits and you practice Absolutely. it all the time.
1: So the, the other couple of mindset traps that I feel a lot of the women are caught in is uh, the perfectionist mindset, like I told you, right? Um, I got to show up perfectly. Otherwise, there's no point in showing up, right? So again, that is overrated. I also tell them, uh, they also come up with a lot of self doubts that whether they can do this, you know, um, this is a new activity or a new thing that they are introduced to. How will I do this? There's a lot of fear associated with that. So in that situation, I tell them, hey, you already have unique superpowers within you. When was the last time you handled a similar situation and you overcame that? How did you do it? You already have it in you to do this again. So another thing is limiting beliefs. You know, they have, Um, questions about their capabilities so then I bring up their superpowers and tell them hey how did you do this here you've got this in you to do it Uh, so so I basically help them pay attention to their self-talk negative self-talk is another one right negativity Um, so how do you reframe it positively the other thing is failure mindset if if they fail like they don't keep up with a practice for a couple of days Mm -hmm. it takes them a long time to bounce back because they are caught in that failure of that situation so I tell them that hey you know you go, you, you don't have to uh, feel bad about this everybody fails we all go through that right how do you quickly build uh, your resilience and come out of this so operating with a growth mindset proactive mindset being responsive instead of reactive right so these are all conversations that I have with my clients and it helps them kind of notice when that happens you know so that they can feel empowered to come out of
0: it. Right. And so
1: awareness uh, is the big power here, uh, Shubha. When you are aware, yeah. you cannot say, I'm no longer aware.
0: Right? The light
1: bulb is on. It's already on. Right? You cannot switch it off. So, I think that is like the biggest tool.
0: Yeah. And even when you're aware, right? There are so many triggers which you can catch hold of. For example, uh, one of my triggers is when I'm um, designing a plan for a client. And if I'm writing once a week, you are allowed to have a suite or maybe I'm writing something there and that image is formed in my head, right? And if I'm hungry that time, if I have not had food in, in about two hours, immediately the trigger that I do is I go on to my uh, uh, Google, type Swiggy and then order something. And this took me a while to actually figure that this was a pattern which was happening every time uh, I am, I know, designing a plan, this is happening. And... When I figured this, I was like, shit, this if this is happening with me, you know, it it will be happening with so many <laughs> of my clients. And just tracking their patterns and helping them realize that gave them so much of progress, right? So that also is one of the benefits of being aware of what you're going through.
1: Absolutely, Shubhag. And uh, my uh, favorite, uh, you know, uh, episode uh, every Friday would be to uh, put my feet up on this recliner, watch Netflix, have some kind of food (laughs) in my hand. So that used to be the pattern. Every Friday, de-stress, you know, with food in my hand. So once I unblocked that, I realized it was, again, like you said, a pattern that was developing. I had to put the brakes on it and say, like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? So when, when you're aware, you're able to change it.
0: Yeah and uh, there was one more thing you you spoke about it was something related to the mindset and uh, yeah all or nothing mindset and there's a beautiful video by Neer Eyal uh, he, mm. he, he speaks about that only right like whether we when we enter a gym we want to do everything perfectly we want to have a trainer we want to do a one hour workout we want to lift weights go hard go home but that that doesn't sustain for a long time, right? And it need not be like that. Even if you show up mm-hmm. five minutes every single day, like there was one beautiful uh, quote by uh, J uh, B that B minus effort done, I think, for um, every day is much better than A plus <laughs> effort done once a week or something like that, right? <laughs> so it is so yeah. amazing. Just doing even a five-minute thing every single day gives you when you see in the macro gives you so much more. Results than doing once a week and going go, going hard or going home kind of effort.
1: Absolutely. The power of five-minute action is just so amazing, Shubhagev. Every one of my clients starts off their first practice with that. And you will not believe the, the impact it has created or how it has become a big much bigger habit now. What started as a five-minute habit is now a one-hour uh, everyday physical activity from one of my clients. And what started off as a five-minute reading my client completed five books in one year, right? So it's just amazing. You you don't have to be so hard on yourself and make it so complicated. It's it's very, very simple. Pick a smallest version of the big goal that you have and just keep doing it and scale up when you feel confident.
0: Amazing. So when you make it so easy, the even the client feels very confident and when you show them the live examples, right? They will be like, okay, when I can do this. If you just directly tell them you can do a handstand in the next one year, they'll be like, what? No, I don't think so. But mm-hmm. <laughs> then when you just focus on today and then one activity, over a period of time, they'll start seeing the changes themselves. Now, coming to the next yeah. question, Shavidya, Um what do you eat on a daily basis? And how do you manage to eat like that through your busy schedule like this?
1: Um, so, what's really helped me improve my consistency with my eating habits is um, having a structure and system for shopping planning my meals and prepping i cannot tell you how important it is uh, because like you said i have calls every day and it's impossible for me to stand in the kitchen for hours together and put a meal together instead what i do is over the weekend every weekend there is shopping that is happening based on what i shop for the meals are planned and i also make the prep in terms of uh, batters or quick salad dips mm. pasta sauces Mm-hmm. Uh, marinating tofu and paneer soaking legumes and cooking them and keeping them uh, making hummus you know uh, so some, some of these kind of preps are already done over the weekend so the meal is quick to put together uh, the other favorite in the family is uh, making paneer budji or tofu budji that doubles up as uh, burger patty or uh, tofu or paneer paratha or even as a side to your meal uh, and it makes it so simple uh, Shabba
0: nice Now, uh, once you started lifting weights, has your weight gone up because of the muscle you know body, which increased and all of that, has it gone up and uh, when your clients start lifting weights, if they see the increase in, in the weight, how do you, how do you send that message across?
1: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, as you strength train, you will gain lean muscle, which will reflect on the scale as a higher number. Uh, and you'll, you'll start looking different in the mirror in terms of a better body composition. So, of course, granted that you're also working on your nutrition side by side, you are going to uh, look different. And when this happens to my client, I do share my story and tell them that they are not alone. Mm-hmm. Very important, I think, to give that confidence to the client and say, hey, what you're seeing is not fat You, if you're, if we Of course, we are tracking strength and we are uh, tracking this over a period of time. So we know like, how the strength is progressing and that is going to reflect on the scale. The other thing is inflammation that you carry because of lifting heavy. When you lift heavy, you are going to, uh, your muscles are going to hold on to uh, you know uh, water and there's going to be a little bit of an inflammation that is going to reflect the next day on the scale. So not really take day-to-day scale changes as something big, but instead look at overall progress. And also the many different ways in which they are progressing, which are not scale related. I pay a lot of attention to non-scale related uh, progress, right? So how they are feeling, how their energy levels have improved, how their strength is, uh, you know, improving. There's just so many things, how they're consistently showing up. I mean, that is huge progress that you've got to really pay attention to, you know, much, much bigger than what that scale number can tell you. So, I mean, I, I continue to track, monitor their measurements, strength improvements, nutrition to make sure, you know, they are progressing in the right direction.
0: So, uh, if, if, if someone who is a vegan comes to you, how do you tell them that, you know, because you are not getting enough nutrients for the body, we will have to supplement it with something. Uh, how do you tell that? And do they listen?
1: So, um, a lot of me, even my vegetarian clients are on supplements uh, because right. they, it's just convenient, right? Again, right. there is a huge taboo around it, uh, Shubhag, around whey protein right because they have these uh, big muscular guys posing <laughs> for you know uh, whey protein the, the they want to market that supplement right so unfortunately that sets up uh, you know the wrong uh, idea in the mind that when you have whey protein you're going to become muscular right if idea. only right we've been taking whey protein for like more than 10 years now and i'm hardly there so it we got to tell them that it doesn't work that way it's just as good as real food it's just that it's packaged in a powder form but it's protein body sees it as protein regardless of the kind of source that you use so with that said as I told you even vegetarian clients some of them have whey protein to supplement and uh, if it's vegan there are other options you know like tea protein that they can have um, so I, I do put it across to them that first of all I tell them why protein is important and why the the kind of source doesn't matter it's protein is protein, right? And if you're, and obviously you want to lean more towards real food and get your sources from there. But if it's not possible, then hey, here is an option, would you like to try it? So I don't push it on them, but I give them as an option and say, hey, this is an option if you think you cannot make it happen consistently.
0: Right, right. Now, what is the ideal mindset according to you? Like, forget about the client, how how they are and you doing the client-centered coaching and all of that. But as per you, what do you think should be the ideal mindset? Like, have you have ever had an ideal client?
1: Yeah, uh, there have been quite a few, Shubhat, actually, um, who came with an amazing mindset. And obviously, that progress was much better, uh, you know, um, in terms of, I mean, everybody goes through a progression. So, if they came with uh, difficulties relating to their mindset... They did fix it along the way, but it just took them a little longer compared to clients who already came with an amazing mindset. Um, so definitely, the the kind of mindset that would help you would be a growth mindset and a long term mindset in terms of you know going uh, after great health and fitness for life. Like we told, it's it's a journey and not an end goal, right? And uh, once once you figure out what works for you, you've got to stay on it for life, right? Um, and another important thing is to find something that you really enjoy so that you don't see it as a chore, but something you have fun with every day, right? Today I, I lift because I, I just enjoy lifting. It just helps me, uh, be a better person, better coach, because it helps me overcome challenges, even relating to my clients in a much better way. I'm able to think with a clear head. It brings mm-hmm. a lot of clarity my relationships are better because i live so mm-hmm. today the, the meaning uh, behind why i do it is so much bigger than what i started out hmm hmm
0: it has changed it has evolved with time right
1: absolutely
0: yeah now what is that one secret like when people ask you ma'am give me one secret to which i can lose weight or gain weight what do you tell <laughs> <laughs>
1: So one secret would be uh, show up imperfectly and stay consistent
0: Wow because
1: nice. like you rightly said, b minus multiplied by so many years is still going to get you somewhere rather than doing a plus and giving up you know in a week. So the secret is imperfection and consistency
0: amazing and uh, any any tips for for the listeners
1: yeah, so for all the women who are watching this, you're all very, very strong already in your own way. And uh, you already have unique superpowers and strengths. You do an amazing job of taking care of your family and you're kind and compassionate to everyone around you. My request is please do the same to yourself. Wow. Um, self-care is not selfish. It is a necessity, not a luxury. So please take care of your health, comprising physical, mental and emotional and your social health and uh, be kind and compassionate to yourself and your body. As a woman, our bodies go through a lot of changes through puberty, womanhood, motherhood and beyond. And we cannot expect miracles to happen overnight. So please be patient with yourself. Um, Stay focused and mindful of your thoughts, emotions and actions. Uh, You have everything within you to make this change for yourself. You don't have to look outside of you. right? So a journey of Self-discovery is going to be very, very rewarding, very awe-inspiring, even to yourself, Uh, leave alone other people, and uh, it's going to be very gratifying. So I would say, um, don't wait uh, too long like me to do this for yourself. Uh, Get into the driver's seat of your life and take charge and get back the confidence and control that you once had. And if you're not able to do this by yourself and you're struggling, please recognize it early and do not hesitate to reach out for expert advice and coaches that can support you, that can hold you accountable, that can guide you to fast track your progress. So this is the other thing that many women tell me that they hesitate to reach out for help because they think it's a sign of weakness. Mm. It's not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of inner strength driven by a proactive mindset and an urge to lead a better quality of life. I think you should go for it. You know, don't hesitate. Mm -hmm. And last but not the least, everything and everyone around you is perfect. Why should we seek perfection within us and about us, right? Right. So my humble request to all of you to practice embracing imperfection and showing up just the way you are, accepting yourselves the way you are. um, And let's break the bias and stereotypes together um, let's build a tribe of strong women lots of love, great health and success to all of you and quoting the 8th element mantra eat well, move daily, stay happy and keep it really simple
0: wow, amazing it was great having this conversation with you Shrividya. thank you so much for your time I am sure this has added a lot of value to a lot of people out there and once the podcast is ready I will share it with you, please share it with your clients as well
1: Absolutely. Pleasure is all mine, Shubhag. It was a wonderful conversation uh, and you had some brilliant questions which are going to be uh, very, very useful to all the women who are listening.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Shubhag.
0: Bye-bye. See you. Take
1: care.